0: Former Vice President John Cactus Jack Garner once described the Vice Presidency as not worth a bucket of warm piss. A lot has changed since Garner was Franklin Delano Roosevelt's first veep, and judging from the ferocious competition to be politics' most famous number two, it is probably worth a bit more these days. It is kind of a strange office. It's a hybrid officer of both the executive branch and the legislative branch. The Vice President presides over the Senate. He gets to break ties and he gets to count electoral votes uh, after the presidential election. This brings us to the current vice president, Republican Mike Pence, and the woman who wants to replace him, Democratic Senator Kamala Harris. They squared off in this year's vice presidential debate on Wednesday night. They were separated by plexiglass and more than an arm's length away from one another to account for our COVID-19 pandemic. And we're going to talk about you know, just the significance of these two candidates of where we are uh, in the presidential race, what they bring to it. On Political Theater today, we're going to talk about the significance of the vice presidency and how that has grown in the last few cycles, and particularly this cycle, how a vice presidential candidate can affect not just the presidential race, but Senate and House campaigns up and down the line. And Niels Lesniewski, our chief correspondent here at CQ Roll Call and Nathan Gonzalez of Inside Elections CQ Roll Call's elections analyst are going to help me walk through it Uh, they're going to help all of us understand what's going on Uh, Niels and Nathan uh, thanks for
1: uh, thanks for coming on Political Theater thank you Jason thank you Jason we're not exactly walking through it we are sitting but I we're sitting through it
0: right we're we're sitting we're sitting in front of people uh,
1: people the visual
0: yes the visual is a a bunch of dudes on Zoom (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> talking to one another across across the ether. Um I will confess I did not watch every last second of the, of the debate. Um I mean the perhaps the biggest winner in the debate was the fly that landed on Mike Pence's head at one point to to give uh, social media something to discuss. But I I think that beyond the partisans who say like my candidate won, my candidate won and breaking down the specifics of what they talked about, we're going to get into some of that. There was a significance, Niels, to these two candidates in particular because of the situation we're in. We, both uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden are men in their 70s. The president has COVID 19. Um, you know, like that's, that's getting past the actuarial tables. So we could have been witnessing someone who might be the president of the United States or at least a candidate in 2024, for sure, depending on who wins the election. So it gives it a little bit more significance than we've had in, in past debates. It feels like to me,
2: I I think that that's certainly uh, true, particularly since we're in this moment where. You know, literally, we don't know exactly the uh, health of the current president. You know, they, they still have not uh, disclosed specifically when President Trump last tested negative for COVID-19. Uh, we don't know a lot about exactly why he has been taking which uh, of the experimental drugs that they have been giving to him both at the White House and uh, out in Bethesda at Walter Reed. And so, you know, th- there's the significance on that front. And then, obviously, on the Democratic side, um, Joe Biden is not the sprightly young fellow who ran for president in 1988. It's a few years past that. Uh, so, you know, even, even as he may be in uh, fine health at the moment, as you're saying, you know, this is sort of a situation where you wonder uh, if if Biden is elected, whether or not he would seek a second term, and obviously if he were not to seek a separate term, his vice president, uh, Senator Harris, would be the the overwhelming front runner in the in the twenty twenty four Democratic primary field.
0: And yeah, before we get into the electoral sort of effect of these two candidates, both for their own careers and and down the line when when we bring Nathan into this, the let's also note that. Pence has broken a lot of ties uh, in in this Senate. It's a fairly evenly divided Senate since Donald Trump was elected. We've had very close margins. You know, fifty one Republicans, fifty three Republican, or fifty one Republicans after the twenty sixteen election, uh, fifty three after the twenty eighteen election. And so, Pence has been called upon to break a lot of ties. So that has enhanced you know his sort of significance in the in the in the Senate's world. I mean, he gets to. Uh, participate in voting on legislation that then the executive branch signs into law, uh, and and then let let's talk about this. Like you know, regardless of um, what happens in November, whether Donald Trump and Mike Pence win or whether Joe Biden and Kamala Harris win, um, the the vice president Mike Pence has a role in this. Susan Page uh, asked. The Vice President if the, if uh, he and Trump would abide by the election results in November and uh, this is what he had to say.
1: Let me just say I think we're going to win this election President Trump and I are fighting every day in courthouses to prevent Joe Biden and Kamala Harris from changing the rules and creating this universal mail-in voting that will create a massive opportunity for voter fraud and we have a free and fair election uh, we know we're going to have confidence in it and I believe in all my heart that President Donald Trump's going to be reelected for four more years.
0: And as as you pointed out uh, earlier in a, in a discussion we were having, Niels, um, the fact that Mike Pence will be presiding over a joint session where they count electoral votes is it gives a little more uh, again significance to his role and his also kind of uh, evasion of this answer talking about mail-in ballots and all that kind of stuff. Like talk about the vice president's role, like and and the fact that this this person has a has a role in the election that affects him.
2: That's right. If you if you look back uh, in history, the most notable one was obviously Vice President Al Gore, who had lost the Florida recount after the decision by the Supreme Court. He's presiding over the Senate uh, for the counting of the electoral votes from the 2000 election. Uh, you can see certainly what will happen is uh, if there is a disputed election, Uh, The tellers on the part of the House and the Senate, this is one of those many weird jobs of Roy Blunt and Amy Klobuchar?
0: Yes, the uh, two two senators who run the Rules Administration Committee
2: in the the Senate. Those senators will be uh, tasked with announcing to a joint session of Congress presided over by the vice president in the House chamber... Whether uh, the forms submitted by states are in the usual form and authentic regarding the results of the election from their states. This can all be disputed, and the question then would become if we found ourselves in a situation where, for instance, the Trump campaign was still debating the legitimacy or doubting the legitimacy of ballots that were sent through the mail, whether they attempt to throw out the results of the Nevada election because of all the mail-in ballots that went for Joe Biden, presumably, uh, that would be the kind of thing that would actually be ultimately up to Mike Pence to be the sort of person overseeing what goes on on the floor of the House
0: and and we we saw this you know 4 years ago also almost 4 years ago when Biden I mean it wasn't as dramatic as the Gore situation because Biden wasn't on the ticket but Biden had to you know sort of rule against uh some some uh some of his colleagues in the Democratic Party who were uh asking about the you know about the election and trying to disrupt you know the the county the electoral college i mean it's it's um it is one of those things. I think that I mean we we don't want to get all doomsday on things, but it it's just it's good to be prepared on it.
1: Yeah, well, and this is why I I am hopeful. For first of all, I'm glad that we have Niels on the team to navigate this stuff <laughs> in case we get this far. But I think what we should all be rooting for is our conclusive results. Like I'm not I'm not rooting for one candidate over another, or one party over another. But let's just hope and pray that this doesn't come down to a few hundred or a few thousand ballots in a state or two, because as we've already started to lay out, it could get messy quickly. So I'm, I'm glad we're doing our homework, but I'm hoping that we just have a conclusive result one way or the other.
0: Right. And one of the things that might go into a conclusive result one way or another uh, are the, you know, the campaigning skills of both of these, uh, both of these individuals, Mike Pence and Kamala Harris. So Nathan, tell me like what you know about you know the sort of the strengths of both you know, strengths and weaknesses of both of them because they're obviously very active surrogates uh, for for their campaigns. but they're also they don't seem to have like a ton of weaknesses
1: necessarily. Well, for Pence, I think Pence's utility was actually more four years ago when he was brought onto the ticket to, shore up some evangelicals and conservatives that were a little bit skeptical of of president Trump whether his uh, some personal behavioral issues or donating to Democrats in the past uh, and I think he did a good job of, of helping candidate Trump pull that coalition together now I think he's on the he's still on the ticket because he's a, a loyal foot soldier he doesn't get in the way he doesn't hog the spotlight from the president and and so I think he's he's kind of doing his job I'm not I think he can go to some places and be sort of less, he he might be a less offensive version of the ticket uh, in some places, but I'm not sure that persuadable voters are really, he's really helping them change their mind.
0: But it's almost like the it's almost like the vice president that that is what a vice president is supposed to do is do no harm first.
1: Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah and, and I think by and large he, he's there. I think it was fun to talk about a potential shakeup uh, with the the ticket, and I'm in a way I'm a little bit surprised because President Trump is so much of a of a showman and and uh, likes to have surprise episodes of this election cycle. But uh, but he yeah I, I think he f- Pence fits firmly in the do no harm category for Senator Harris uh, I think she's she's a good addition to the ticket it had to be a diverse ticket there was no way Democrats were going to war uh, with uh, two old white guys or just two straight white guys in general and I think she can go a lot of different places uh, Republican geographically I mean Republicans want to demonize her as the face of the liberal left you know at a point where Vice President Biden isn't really easily portrayed as that. But I've found it remarkable that Democratic congressional candidates are not backing away from Biden. You know, they want to be endorsed by Biden no matter what, no matter if Trump won their district four years ago. They're not afraid to run with this ticket. I think Democratic candidates like this ticket and they're, they're willing to, you know, really go to battle with them.
0: And Nils, uh, uh as as we know uh, from our, our dual roles, not just covering campaigns, but also covering the Supreme Court nomination of Amy Coney Barrett, Senator Harris will be pulled off of the trail uh, next week for her part in the Judiciary Committee hearings for Barrett.
2: That's right. The hearings will kick off on uh, Monday uh, on uh, Indigenous Peoples Day or Columbus Day, depending on where in the country you might reside. And uh, so it's, it's sort of going to be a week where we'll see uh, Senator Harris around Washington. Uh, I think, frankly, she's been spending more of her time off the trail uh, at her uh, residence in D.C. Uh, than she has been going back to California, part just because of the logistics of uh, the Biden campaign being uh, up in Philadelphia and Biden himself uh, being at home in Delaware. Uh, but so she's been she's been around D.C. I think a fair amount anyway. Uh, so she'll be more at the Capitol next week. It may actually obviously give her uh, more of a platform than necessarily with some of these campaign events. The way the campaign events have been structured, um, the Biden campaign, thankful, thank you know, thankfully perhaps because of the pandemic, have been restricting the size of the events. They aren't the sort of massive rallies that the Trump uh, campaign has been doing. They aren't sort of the the Make America Great Again uh, airport fly-ins with people without masks. Uh, and so, you know, she may actually get more attention being on Capitol Hill than at some of the campaign stops uh, that she would be otherwise making.
0: And speaking of campaign stops, uh, the the Vice President Mike Pence is uh, going to be on the trail. Uh, this, uh, this coming weekend, he's, I mean, he's kind of on the trail period, like in person, uh, the president is still for now isolating at the white house. Uh, there's talk about him going to Pennsylvania next week, but where will Mike Pence be this weekend?
2: Well, Mike Pence's travels are taking him to Florida this weekend and, and I'll have a few stops, but the one that sort of stuck out like a sore thumb to me last night when I first read it was that he's scheduled to do an in-person event on Saturday at the villages, which for anyone who is not familiar with The Villages, The Villages is probably the largest retirement community in the entire country. It's a sprawling uh, sort of several towns, actually, filled with uh, small houses, mainly golf courses, people ride around on their golf carts. Uh, and, and generally, it's been a Republican base, although that doesn't even seem like that's going to be true uh, this year with Biden at the top of the ticket. But these are lots of people who are elderly. And, and if we know anything about the coronavirus, we know that it is most dangerous to people who are older. And so it's interesting to me that the Trump campaign has made the decision to send the Trump campaign apparatus, the vice president, presumably some number of White House aides who would travel with the vice president, into a group filled with senior citizens, Medicare beneficiaries and the like, in the middle of an outbreak at the White House?
1: Jason, people can see uh, my head shaking. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally baffled. And this is, it's not just the health risks that, that Neil's laid out. It is that this is going to be the discussion when this event happens, right? It's going to be, why are they going there? And, and everything that Neil just said is going to be the discussion. And why that's a problem for the president and the vice president is because that consistently makes them the issue. And when this election is about Trump, he is not going to win. This election has to be a choice between that ticket and something that is less popular. And it's just, I don't, I'm obviously not paid to make these decisions. I don't understand. I don't understand the, the logic.
0: I mean, in in that case, like, I mean, this is obviously about the more of the president's reelection uh, prospects, but like, what are the, you know, the, we have this very pitched battle for, particularly for the Senate. I mean, the house is, is, is looking more and more trending towards, towards Democrats. You wrote a piece uh, about the, 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 Likeliest scenarios. Uh, you 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 checked yourself. You fact checked yourself uh, from uh, last year when you laid out what would be the most likely scenarios, uh, and and you said that what it, the way it's trending right now is it looks. You know, you you would not be surprised. You know, if if it was a a, a blue sweep of the the White House, the the House, and the, and the Senate, but the real, I mean, it, it, it seems like the biggest wild card there is the Senate. Where would these candidates come in most handy in some of these competitive center races like North Carolina and Maine and Iowa and Arizona?
1: Well, whatever Mike Pence can whatever Vice President Pence can do to help the president get back up to his 2016 performance is is a is a positive for for the entire Republican ticket. I mean, that's that's one of the struggles that Republicans are having in holding the Senate, is that the president isn't, if he was doing as well as he did four years ago in Iowa and Texas and Georgia and Alaska and Kansas, even Montana, we would not be talking about these races, these Senate races as being as competitive as they are. But because the president is slumping, he's either not winning those states by the same margin or not even winning them at all, then that is having a, 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 to the detriment of, uh, of, of the, of the GOP hold on the Senate. So I, I guess that's kind of a non-specific. <laughs> he right. needs to go. There are a lot of places where the president is struggling to recreate that twenty sixteen magic, and so whatever the vice president can do to help, that that's where he should go.
0: Pivoting a little bit back towards the vice presidential, you know, debate um, and and the vice president's role is that um, I mean, we make a lot of of vice presidents and, and candidates and so forth. We're we're doing a podcast right now on it, uh, but I mean, we've seen. You know, like we've we've been kind of treated to these political spectacles uh, of of the debates and and how they play out. You know, like Dan Quayle, you know, just got got this sort of like, uh, I guess, in the parlance of our times, uh, it would be a clapback uh, from Lloyd Benson uh, when uh, you know he, he he's just sort of like pushed back on him, saying that he was no Jack Kennedy
1: senator. I serve with Jack Kennedy. I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine. Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy.
0: Uh, and and you know Quayle kind of looked like a deer in the headlights. Well, you know the ticket won that year <laughs> in 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 '88. Uh, like even after that uh, embarrassing moment, um, you know George Bush or George H. W. Bush, George Senior, when he was vice president in 1984, he was kind of warned, "Don't patronize Geraldine Ferraro. That's not going to go over well with women." And he did exactly that.
1: Let me just say, first of all, that I almost resent, Vice President Bush, your patronizing attitude that you have to teach me about foreign policy. I've been a member of Congress for six years. I was there when the embassy was held hostage in Iran. And I have been there and I have seen what has happened in the past several months, 17 months with your administration. Secondly, please don't categorize my answers either. Leave the interpretation of my answers to the American people who are watching this debate. And let me say further that no one has ever said that those young men who were killed through the negligence of this administration and others ever died in shame. No one who has a child who's 19 or 20 years old, a son, would ever say that about the loss of anybody else's child.
0: And it was a landslide in favor of the Reagan Bush ticket. Um, You know, Palin, uh, Sarah Palin in 2008, I mean, uh, she arguably did hurt you know, the the ticket, but it, you know, that McCain did plenty of damage himself by sort of downplaying what the, the problems of the economy are. So are we just, is this just something that we just get to talk about every four years and then sort of shelve it?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and I will, on, on Palin, um, first of all, one of the most memorable debate moments from the Palin debate actually was not, she did not say, I can see Russia from my house. Like right. Tina Fey said that on <laughs> SNL.
2: I believe that diplomacy should be the cornerstone of any foreign policy. And I can see Russia from my house.
1: <laughs> but I think it has become part of the, uh, you know, that's been part of the lore about it. and I will I, I, don't, I will argue that Sarah Palin has gotten more um, uh, flack, more blame for the McCain loss than what I really think is due. I mean that, I remember that convention when she was announced as the running mate. She actually brought energy to a ticket that had nothing. That ener- i mean, there was no energy around Senator McCain's candidacy, and there was some excitement. Now, I understand what happened. I just think it—her her addition to the ticket has become the catalyst for a lot of other problems that that candidacy, that overall, the ticket had.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, the 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 race was had gotten away from McCain and 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 especially when the economy cratered. um, I mean, that was sort of this inflection point that had nothing to do with her. But but we, you're right. We do have these Tina Fey moments that people think is you know that stands in for it. So, well, gentlemen, thank you so much uh, for for talking about the the, uh, the the vice presidency again. It is this weird office that is significant and not significant and gets like sometimes more credit than it deserves. And then has like, uh, you know, incredibly significant powers that we don't talk about a lot, like counting electoral votes. Um, it's, it's good to walk through it, especially, you know, with a a thing like this. And, and let's also note that it, uh, the debate, you know, of, after the, the way that the, the, the Biden-Trump debate in Cleveland went, it was it was almost a moment of normalcy, uh, despite the fly landing on Pence's head. Uh, you know, there was almost this moment of like, oh, this actually is, this is what I remember political debates looking like.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's always been a pattern of, because the one candidate sort of flops or underperforms in the first presidential debate, having the, the only VP debate be the second one kind of allows, it, it adds some of the, some of the fun or the entertainment value, because there's a cleanup process that needs to happen for by one of the running mates.
0: And and Niels, as you, uh, I'll give you the final word here. This may be the last debate of the year because there is a, currently a de, uh, some some debate about whether we'll have any more debates.
2: We are back to the debate about debates, which is you know uh, something Nathan's very familiar with from covering congressional uh, House and Senate races, where they debate about debates all the time. President Trump says that he is not going to participate in a virtual debate, that he will have some sort of event or rally instead. Uh, the Commission on Presidential Debates says that the next scheduled presidential debate will be uh, a virtual uh, debate uh, with with town hall questioners from Miami, but, but candidates elsewhere. Uh, so I don't know what this ends up looking like. I don't know if they end up going ahead. Um, you could end up with a scenario where, you know, Joe Biden gets a 90 minute televised town hall with just Joe Biden. Because remember, if you look at the history of presidential debates, there was a 1980 debate that featured Ronald Reagan and a third party candidate because Jimmy Carter didn't show up.
0: And there would also be precedents for a virtual debate because the third Nixon-Kennedy debate in 1960 uh, took place with them both in television studios, uh, uh, Nixon in Los Angeles and, and Kennedy in, in New York. So, you know, there's... Uh, for all for all the weirdness, that wouldn't be even necessarily the weirdest thing if we had a virtual debate <laughs> of the presidential. It's almost, it almost
1: has to be that way. It just based <laughs> on how the year has gone and problems with the mute button, it, it has to be that way, in my opinion.
0: <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it, and uh, let's. Uh, well, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you later on uh, on one of these like podcasts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.